Once more unto the breach, fair marbly, who done dost stand before thee, mouth agape, eyes bewidened, heart aflutter, worry heightened, about you maddened, Buckman jamied and palled, Irod beselbied. Oh, but thou dost have a sallow look upon thee. Why? Why? Why, Sir Marbles? Do gather with us, betwixt and between and beneath you, betwixt and between and beneath the rise guys, et the rise gals. If mad about you was a final frontier, we're traveling outside of time and space here. So let's break it down now, it's just what we do. I don't know if you know the coincidence. We'll get to it later. Henry V is in my notes. Is the coincidence that I'm a wonderful Shakespearean actor? It wasn't bad. It fell apart there in the middle. (laughs) Big time. You know what? So do most of his plays. So there you go. Oh, that's not fair. They don't fall apart till the end. (laughs) Endings are hard. They sure are. That's a fun note I used to get. And sometimes I'm sure I still would get if I were to get from a certain coach, an improv coach. Just, <laughs> okay, so this is good, and that is good, and here we got this, that, okay. And then the end, uh, endings are hard. Anyway, good <laughs> show, everybody. <laughs> I'm sure Willie got the same notes from his producer. <laughs> Welcome, Rise Guys and Rise Gals, to Mad About Mad About You, your Mad About You recap podcast. My name is Russ Fader. In Hark, my... Name. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. What's a fancy old way of saying name? And don't say nameth. Marbly Jonathan. Ooh. That is hard. I don't enjoy it. I don't. <laughs> no, thanks. Well, I'm sorry that you don't enjoy it because I've unilaterally decided that that's how we're going to do the rest of this episode. Well, we just lost every listener. <laughs> I think. I don't Are know. You... Hey, you know what? If everyone likes it, we'll do it. It's <laughs> a great point. It's a great point. We are nothing if not accommodating and willing to listen to the masses. That is the nicest way of putting that. <laughs> they hey. sold out. No, they're accommodating. Hey, what kind of bull crap do you people want us to do? We're monkeys. I mean, we're accommodating. When Orson Welles did that champagne ad, he was accommodating. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Are you well? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Speaking of well, well, this is episode 64 of Mad About Mad About You. We are getting to the end of this season. I mean, it took a literal (laughs) calendar year. It's crazy how much slower every other week is. It really is. And how hard it is for us still to find the time. Yeah, it's true. It makes weekly seem like, I don't know if I, were we working? I don't know. Did we have jobs the first two years of this thing? Look, we wrote it into our schedule, but also we didn't have such busy schedules. We're busier now than we were. Why would we be busier? Oh, well, I know. Yeah, I live in a much more exciting city. Yeah. Plus, you have projects that take you out of town a lot of the time. Okay, I've been traveling. Okay, shoot me. (laughs) I'm not... I'm I'm Okay, I didn't know this was going to be an exquisition. (laughs) An (laughs) exquisition. 
First of all, that's a great word. I don't want to uh, to breeze past that. Nobody expects like the Spanish exquisition. Ex- certainly no one. Have you seen those people? <laughs> I like how you were just like how you asked me a question and then were surprised when I, why are we so busy? Well, we have more things going on. All right. All right. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. Let's not start a riot. <laughs> So, we're here to talk about Season 3, Episode 18 of Mad About You, an episode called Persona. Yes! Spelled... Not, yeah, spelled P-U-R-S-E-O-N-A, as in Persona. Not Persiona, the Egyptian goddess. And not Persona, P-E-R-S-O-N-A, the noun, or what I think it's a nod to, the Ingmar Bergman film Persona. Interesting! I did not realize that that was a film. It was the first Ingmar Bergman movie I watched, and I watched it because I was in high school, and I thought Woody Allen was the coolest man in the world, and he talked right. about Ingmar Bergman a lot. Boy, movies. were you right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that opinion held up and holds up. <laughs> it's very interesting, and I get it. I'm the same way that you were just like, why did I like Ingmar Bergman so much? Because I thought Woody Allen was the coolest. That's how you get to things, though, you know? It is. I totally know. I also know people who would just be like, who's Ingmar Bergman? I like Woody Allen. I don't. the end. Yeah, you don't know those people? No, I don't. Good for you. Okay, maybe those people. I don't know anyone who who would have said, I love him, but then didn't know who Ingmar Bergman was. I know that people like that are out there. I'm confident of that. I don't know of anybody. Find us. Let us know. Yeah. Rise, guys. Rise, gals. Love Allen. Hate Bergman? Or don't know Bergman. That's sure. what you're saying. Yes. We all yes, hate yes. Bergman, but some, <laughs> you're saying some don't know him. We all hate him. Yeah, we get him. <laughs> He's it, very hateable. It says here, Persona's 85 minutes. Let me tell you something. It felt like 850. <laughs> I watched two Bergman films in the, my first year out of college alone. I thought you were trying to make a joke. I watched two Bergman films in the time it took you to change a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> no, sometimes I'm just, the jokes don't make sense. I watched Persona and I watched uh, the, what's the one where the guy plays chess with death? Not eight and a half, is it? No, no, that's Fellini. Um, You're getting your yeah. uh, Woody Allen references. I really mixed am. up. Wow, the Seventh Seal. Thank you. Yeah. I saw Seventh Seal and Persona. I had the Seven Samurai in my head, and I was like, I know it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Seventh Samurai. They just played chess the whole time. Yeah. It's uh, it's searching for Bobby Fischer meets the Seventh Seal set in Shogun Japan. <laughs> My name is Kurosawa. Everybody, sit down. This is a rook. <laughs> <laughs> Persona is like you watch like um, Manhattan and Annie Hall, and you see how sophisticated mm-hmm. they all seem, and you hear sure. Woody Allen talking about how he loves Bergman and how Swedish cinema is the only real cinema. I think he's sure. Swedish, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you put it on, and it is the most stereotypical. It's like, oh, this really is like a boring, a little, sure, a little interesting at times, but also a little boring. Mm-hmm. But this is the quintessential like artsy fartsy, artsy fartsy, make artsy. fun of I a was, foreign film. It's so funny that that's the phrase. I know, isn't it? It's so we could have we almost synced up to be like artsy fartsy, right? Yeah, yeah I know. Because <laughs> it should be condescending because it's an insult. But when yes. you say it, you're the one that looks like an idiot. You really do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me guess. Another artsy-fartsy film. <laughs> I also like the way... I'll see myself out. If you think about what a fartsy film would be, if a fartsy film was a thing, 
That's true. Then it would be more a highbrow comedy, I guess. It would be, I think a fartsy film is very, or you know what? Okay, because you're well, wait, doing, what's a fartsy film actually? I think a fartsy film would be very crass. I think you could probably say a lot of Adam Sandler movies oh, would be or John fartsy Waters films. Um, <laughs> may, maybe, yeah, gross stuff. Yeah, John Waters films are gross. Like Pink Flamingos, you'd say is a fartsy movie. Maybe I'm keeping the art out of fartsy. Yeah, so is John Waters. <laughs> Shots fired. Sick pink flamingos burn. <laughs> Somebody calls cereal mom. Tell you what, in that movie, they don't stop at farts. That is true. Ugh. But this the first, the world's first shartsy film. Yeah, <laughs> artsy shartsy. This <laughs> this film has like, uh, and Woody Allen parodies it in Love and Death, I think. You know, like where it's like one face facing you, and then one face next to it facing perpendicular. Yes. And they're both speaking. Yes. And then it also has like warped film at times. Like yep. it's so like on the nose. Yes. But but it, it wasn't at the time, I don't think. I think it was groundbreaking. And then we all made sure. so much fun of it. Not we all, our forefathers. Our, yes. Remember when Washington was like, oh, what's the deal with this artsy fartsy Bergman, huh? <laughs> I get it. One face is facing the camera. The not other face is facing our, him. We've our, seen it. Not our founding fathers. <laughs> our forefathers. Well, fine then. So I think it's a play on that because the plot of that is a nurse is put in charge of a mute actress and finds that their persona are melding together. Well, yes. Sort of. This is a swap, I guess. Well, here's the thing. It's called persona because it's about persona. It's about the people's persona. And persona is called persona because it's about as well, persona. Exactly. Right. So yeah, that's why. There could be many movies called The Little Mermaid if they were all about Little Mermaids. This is about <laughs> persona, just like the other movie that was about persona. Wait, let's cut to the chase real fast. I know what they're talking about, but I have one more question about the name. What is it? The TV guide is Paul and Jamie suffer, but an oblivious Lisa blooms after she inadvertently switches purses with Jamie. It's so complicated. Basically, Jamie and Lisa accidentally switch purses, and then Jamie starts acting like Lisa, and Lisa starts acting like Jamie, and that's the show. Yes, and it, it originally aired on March 1995. Bingo. Do you think purse-ona... Mm -hmm. Now, purse is a very common thing. I was going to say, do you think they picked the purse because of the wordplay, <laughs> and then they built an Holy episode around cow. it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> So it's just a lucky coincidence. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think it's luck. Follow up. I, do you think, and this could be verified, but I don't care to. You might know offhand because you're smart. Do you think? Uh oh, pressure's on. The root of persona is purse, which means container, and ona means self or singular. And the word purse and persona are actually derived from the same Latin root. I don't think so, but you do talk a good game. I sure do, don't I? That was very good. Wait, if you well need done. me to spin, a, <laughs> if you need me to spin a good, uh, yeah. what's the origin of words? Etymology. Yes, a good etymology tale. <laughs> I'm your guy. I think it originally came from "puh," meaning a p word, <laughs> and "ursona," meaning the villain <laughs> from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> boy, oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> Oh, uh, we have fun. Do you have uh, is a nurse towels at your place? <laughs> <laughs> boy, oh boy.
we got the the TV guide in there. It was yeah. a tale decently told, I suppose. Signifying nothing. Yeah. <laughs> the sound told by the an fury, idiot. Yeah. The sound and the fury of the TV guide. <laughs> God. Uh, so yeah, what do you got? What do you, you got a uh, you got a little thing you want to talk about this week? I got a little thing I want to talk about. I got a little thing too. You go first. Okay. So as is tradition. Uh, it's where would we be if not for tradition? <laughs> So we had a new show the night that this premiered. <laughs> Guess what? My thing's from the news. <laughs> Great. But we're not calling it TV and news. That's absolutely right. We're just throwing back. It's old school, <laughs> baby. On the night that this episode aired, mm-hmm. we also had an episode of a 1995 television series on ABC called Extreme. Never heard of it. Nor had I. Extreme was created... <laughs> Check out these names of the creators. Two of the creators were Ron Booth and Didier Lafond. Wow. Not bad, huh? Not at all. I mean, like, those are two different people. Oh, and Mike Scott and Robert Wolterstorff. Yeah, 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 but who cares about them? <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? Those are also fun. Hi, I'm Mike Scott. I'm Robert Wolterstorff. Well, Mike Scott's not, but yeah, Robert yeah. Wolterstorff is. Yeah, these are opposite people. You say Mike Scott, I say Robert Wolterstorff, you say Ron Booth, I say Didier Lafont. Anyway. Didier Lafont, Wolterstorff. <laughs> Let's call the whole thing off. Oh, that was stupid. So in this show was James Brolin, Julie Bowen, you say Brolin, I say Bowen. Bowen. All right. <laughs> Danny you Masterson. say Didier, I say James. <laughs> Less good. Less catchy. Julie Bowen's the woman from Modern Family. Yes, and James Brolin was a big old movie star. He sure was. This is back before it was cool to do television after uh, movies. That's true. That's a very good point. He must have been in a pickle. I guess so. <laughs> well, how pickly could he have been? He was married to Barbara Streisand, right? Oh, that's right. I think he still is. <laughs> no. He is a dead person. Till death. Oh, yeah. No, till death to his part. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing. I stand corrected. I stand corrected. It's my only way out. Danny Masterson from that 70s show was in this show. Oh, I didn't watch it. Jeffrey Dean Morgan from I know him from Weeds, but now he's wildly successful and popular from being on uh, The Walking Dead was in the show. Snooze. Yeah. And uh, this show mostly was a snooze as well. 13 episodes ordered. It aired six. Did you watch it? I did not. It's a good idea. It sounds like a um, cliffhanger, sort of. Yeah, it's a search, TV and rescu- a search and rescue team operates a Bell 204 Super Huey helicopter in the Rocky Mountains of Utah. Yeah, the premise was, hey, buddy, I got a pitch for you. Yeah, helicopter. It's Baywatch, but they're all wearing tons of clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's low oxygen. What do you yeah, think? That's, that's basically it. Here's what I think is interesting about this show. And they live in a Mormon state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody's married to everybody. And nobody drinks. <laughs> so this was interesting to me because the premiere episode was on after the Super Bowl. The pilot wow. episode. Wow, what yeah. a lead in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ABC gave it the post-Super Bowl slot. <laughs> that makes sense because it is sort of like an adventure. yeah. Athletic kind of show. Well, it makes sense in that respect. It doesn't make sense in that apparently it was so bad it didn't make it seven episodes. 
<laughs> That's how far the Super Bowl can carry you, though. I guess you're not wrong. <laughs> That's pretty good. And not only that, the failure of this show changed the way post-Super Bowl shows were decided. Because this was 1995. 1996, people were like, no premieres, none of that <laughs> nonsense. Friends. Friends oh, and Jean-Claude Van Damme. One. Yep. The ne- it was the following year. Phenomenal. And so since then, the only shows that have been like premiered were Survivor, The Voice. I'm sorry. Survivor and The Voice also aired after the Super Bowl, but those weren't premieres. Oh. Okay. But uh, they premiered Family Guy, American Dad, 24 Legacy, and Undercover Boss. And that's been it since 1995. Everything else has been a tentpole show. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That's how bad Extreme was. I also found a list of all of the Super Bowl lead-out programs since they started doing it. And it's pretty interesting. Frankly, I think that this is a podcast in and of itself. I remember the new girl with Prince. Yep, I I believe that's correct. That's the only one I knew. I'm like, this would be a fun thing to do. Watch all of these. Oh, yeah, another recap podcast. That's a great idea. Yeah, great. We've got enough time. The first one was Lassie. Really? Yeah. Lassie and Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. That was one thing? Yep, one thing. Okay. I think, But you know what? That was on two separate networks, so I guess it was competition. Oh, brother. There were a couple of episodes of 60 Minutes. Wow. Which I think is pretty interesting. That is. Well, that's not. No? Well, that feels like it was just a time before they really knew what they had. And or like maybe the ratings weren't crazy enough to be the biggest thing on television. Sure. Because well, the news often plays after football games, you know, and it's sort of natural to be like, oh, okay, now the news. We had our fun. Right. Here's a few other things that they did, though. A lot of these make a lot of sense. Chips, the A-Team. Yeah. Airwolf, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. The premiere of a show called Magruder and Loud. Amazing. Which I've never heard of, but holy moly. Sounds very simple. Yes. Loud is loud. <laughs> the pilot of hard copy, the pilot of the Wonder Years. Oh, interesting. And then mixed in there, in 1992, they had 60 minutes and 48 hours, and there's a note that says 60 minutes was an abbreviated 13-minute edition and was apparently a last-minute addition to the schedule, consisting of an interview of Bill and Hillary Clinton addressing the Jennifer Flowers affair. Whoa. Isn't that something? Yeah, that is something. Yeah, where it's just, quick, quick, is this ball game over? We got to watch politician be unmade, maybe. I mean, I bet every, I mean, America's watching. Let's see. Well, let's see, actually, let's see. I don't know. Is that the interview where Hillary was like, I stand by him. We've had troubles in our marriage, but well, it's nobody's business. Possibly. I don't think it was. Which one was that? It yeah, kind that's... of happened a lot. <laughs> Here's something about it. I so, hate him. Uh, you hate him? Things are not aging well. I'm perfectly comfortable being out there. And it's easier You're for out, me because sure. I wasn't an adult when he was president. But Sure. As far as America was watching slash the world was watching, it had 26.8 million viewers that year. Oh, that's a lot, right? Well, the previous year was 26.6 million viewers to watch the pilot episode of Davis Rules. So so really just they you keep the TV on. A lot of people watch a lot of stuff. Yeah, while you clean up, it's on. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's what was on TV that week. Just fascinating. Pretty neat, right? Yeah. And yes, you were right. New Girl in Brooklyn Nine-Nine with Prince. There you go. They both had Prince? I think Prince was the name of the episode of New Girl. So I wasn't Aww. sure if that was... But it was uh, 2014, so... And he was, was alive Prince in that episode? Not. 
I thought he was. I feel like I remember a trailer. I did not watch New Girl. Me neither. Yeah. We don't know what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. And neither does What's Newt up, John? Gingrich. <laughs> Say again? Neither does Newt Gingrich. Oh, yeah? Well, tell me more about that. So I know we, I wasn't going to do the news all the time. I was just a little sick of reading the time stories because I feel like we sort of got into a little, you know, rut. Like we knew what to expect. Right. But now I have a subscription to newspapers.com and I am flipping through daily news issues like nothing. Oh, my. March 4, 1995, Saturday. Probably appeared in your living room, I would imagine. Probably. Did your family have daily point. news lying around? Yeah. Daily news and Newsday. Listen, where no speaker has gone before. <laughs> Wants space tax-free. Washington. Oh, boy. Starship Newt roared yesterday. <laughs> oh, my God. To where no House speaker has gone before with calls to colonize Mars and declare the Milky Way tax-free. Great. This year, we should pass a tax shelter on all profits made in space, Gingrich told the National Space Society. <laughs> John, how long have I been shaking my head no I can't see you. I saw oh, a bad oh, connection. A while. <laughs> the answer is a while. A space-based empowerment zone and a trip to the Red Planet would rekindle American zeal and adventure. He touted the idea as a marital and economic boon. Marital. Interesting. Quote, yeah. it's win-win, Gingrich said. This is an incentive to improve humankind and improve incomes. There would be a great benefit to a, quote, honeymoon in weightlessness, he said. <laughs> you know... They... <laughs> is he talking about what I think he's talking about? A, probably. But like... You think reverse cowboy is fun. You should try reverse astronaut. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're so close on what would be a good idea. <laughs> it happens so often where it's just like, we need to get out there and show American ingenuity and the imagination of the people of our country and uh, our, our frontier spirit to go out and conquer new worlds and beat them into submission or turn them into honeymoon spots. We'll just get well, people that's the coming. Thing. It's like, oh, think of the, the economic boon as a nation and change the world. Think of all the honeymoon rooms we can put up, the honeymoon it's suites so we weird. can cover, cover a planet in. Mars is huge. Can you imagine just if Earth itself was... <laughs> Covered in honeymoon suites. Okay, so we got a new planet. Thing number one to put on it. A sandals resort. <laughs> a Catskills style. Yeah. yeah. Just a bunch one of those of, tubs yeah. shaped like a heart. <laughs> I played the Mars skills from 2488 to 2492. <laughs> Take my Gleep Glop, please. <laughs> You know the difference between <laughs> Jewish Martians and Gentile Martians? <laughs> it's the same material. A GOP political analyst and Democrats were left wondering if uh, the speaker's political compass was off kilter. <laughs> oh, they were, huh? This Now, this one's confusing, too. So this guy says, quote, Perhaps he should be reincarnated as Captain Video. Is that policy? Is that a thing, Captain Video? <laughs> I'm not sure. This guy says, this is okay for a TV special on unidentified flying objects, but for a serious policymaker, it is not harmless. Oh, man. 
I'll never understand. He says, if we don't colonize space, we're going to fall apart. You know what? We didn't, and here we are. You were right, Noosh. <laughs> oh, and here's another. Right under it, it says another headline about him. It says, Newt swears he didn't say it. Washington, the B word still is bedeviling Newt Gingrich. Ooh, baby. Asked by Pacifica radio reporter Amy Goodman why he did not apologize to American women for calling First Lady Hillary Rodham Clinton a, quote, you know, mm -hmm. keeping it safe. A biscuit. For Mac Jackson's road trips. Hi, Mac. Hi, Mac. <laughs> Mrs. Mac, kids. <laughs> I never said to dot, 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 my knowledge. I never said what you just said. Is <laughs> what he said. <laughs> well, in his defense, which he doesn't need, how many times uh -huh. have we heard people say, like, I didn't mean to use that word, but they'll use the word. Didn't mean oh, to use absolutely. That word. And it, it's it like, a... that happens all the time. And I'm kind of 50 50 on it. Where I'm just no, like, I agree. Classy move, Newt, friend of the pod. Yeah. <laughs> Newt Gingrich, friend of the pod. You're yes. welcome on anytime you want. <laughs> fan of the oh, show, man. not a fan of the show. Want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> anytime. anytime. Every other week, Newt. Okay, this is one last story. Just this page is loaded. What a great okay. time to be alive. <laughs> Ferrer, Rudy and Yankee battle. Bronx Borough President Fernando Ferrer should butt out of negotiations to keep the Yankees in the Bronx, according to Mayor Giuliani. Quote, I wish you would leave it to me and the governor to negotiate with the Yankees, Giuliani said. Mm -hmm. The mayor made his comments hours after Ferrer issued an ultimatum in his State of the Bronx speech. Ugh, I love that we do State of the Borough speeches here in New York. It's pretty silly. To Yankees owner George Steinbrenner, quote, it's time for the owner of the Yankees to step up to the plate and take a swing at the city's best pitch, or just take a walk. <laughs> Don't strike out, <laughs> or you'll hit a double and have two problems on your hands. I feel like that speechwriter quit that night. Yeah. <laughs> I told you I wanted baseball metaphors. More, more. <laughs> if you move us to Brooklyn... It'd only be a short stop until you wind up in Manhattan, which is where we want you to go. Is that what this is about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thought so. Ferrer also has been critical of the city's stadium and community renovation plans, which he said would turn the stadium into an expensive and enclave isolated from a surrounding South Bronx neighborhood. He believes Yankee Stadium could be used for another team or for high school and college games, concerts, and boxing matches. Yeah, bring all the, the throngs of people who go to see high school sports <laughs> Into Yankees boxers into Yankee Stadium. <laughs> It'll be as empty as Mars. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, that's very fun. Well, Russ, this episode was directed by Michael Lembeck, who we had last week. Great, welcome back. And uh, it was written by Andy Gordon and Eileen Kahn, two of your favorite writers. Couple old faves. Responsible for So I Married a Hair Murderer, which, if I'm not mistaken, was your favorite episode. I think it's the opposite. And then your second favorite episode, The Late Show, featuring John Aston. I forgot to wish you a very happy opposite day, John. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, I'm with you. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. No, I'm not. <laughs> well, these two continued their streak. <laughs> 
Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is why we changed the format. <laughs> because to go beat by beat through this one. <laughs> man, oh man. <laughs> that being said, Russ. Yeah. Guess what two words are in my things I love that we'll get to that you will never expect. In all caps, bold. What are the words? Mind blown. My goodness. Yeah. I'm very interested in what caused that. Should we just start with the cold open real quick? If you want to talk about the cold open, I don't, but I'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. I mean, it was there. I didn't even love the cold open. In the cold open, Paul Reiser does this whole, am I losing my hair? And she trope says, alert. yeah, huge trope alert. I remember especially, when Ricky Ricardo did it. Especially for this show. Like, it's a trope for television, and it's a trope for this show. Is it? We've talked about it on here before. I forget. Comments about Paul Reiser hair loss, where he is clearly not losing any of his hair. It's fine. That's it's true. always fine. And he keeps on talking. Am I losing my hair? And she says, no. And he says, seriously? She says, yeah. He says, seriously? Yeah. Seriously. Why are you recapping no, you the whole great. miserable cold open? I don't, I don't want to hear it again. And then we're out. <laughs> Sorry about that. But yeah, <laughs> I'm recapping it because I'm frustrated because that joke doesn't make sense. We can see. We can see the hair. There is hair on yeah, your head. Russ, we're speaking as two balding people. Yes, I think. Are you saying that that's that I'm particularly sensitive to this? Yes, that you're saying you have tons of hair. What are you talking about? But to him, he might be losing his hair. I don't. Whatever. Let's put Paul from two seasons ago up against Paul now and see if he's thinning or receding at all. I don't think he is. I think you're probably right. You know how I know? Because I've seen 2018 Paul Reiser full head of hair. Pretty. <laughs> yeah, he does have pretty good hair. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to hear it. That's fair. They're plugs. So did we like things? Did we not like things? What are we thinking? Here's what I wrote. Because the first scene, everyone's over. It's nighttime in their apartment. Fred and Jamie right. are planning for a client meeting. Paul's packing for a trip to the Yukon to yep. shoot a dog race, I think, for ESPN. Yes, yes. And Lisa's prepping for a job interview. And I wrote, I love a busy New York apartment on a weeknight on TV. There you go. You it's got fun, one. you know? That's why you watch TV. I think this beginning scene was well written there are a lot of things going on you don't quite it felt almost like uh sorkin where lisa's popping in from one area she's you know jamie's having a quick conversation yeah everyone's keeping up with each other yeah she's talking to paul about another thing she's talking to fran about another thing you're not quite sure about all of the elements yet but you will yeah it's like the west wing it's practically an episode of the west wing it's ripped from the headlines (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) It was indicative of uh, one of those episodes where it's like, oh, this is more like, oh, it'll just be nice to fellowship with with these characters. Sure. It's nice to hear their voices. Sure. Maybe we'll laugh a few times. That'll be nice. Is this the most stock plot episode of Mad About You yet? We've mentioned it already a couple of times, but what happens in this episode is Lisa and Jamie accidentally switch purses. And based on the contents of their purses and the way their days proceed, they wind up behaving like the other one. Lisa becomes Jamie-esque. Jamie becomes Lisa-esque. It's a real Freaky Friday situation triggered by a purse swap. Yes. And the running thing of the day is Paul's what? I thought of George and Elaine swapping personae. Personae, rather. Yeah, why again? That's a good question. I don't remember. I don't (laughs) remember what sets it off. Yeah, I'm getting a little rusty on my Seinfeld these days, to be honest. Yeah, we remember Elaine saying, oh my God, I'm George. Yes. Wow. 
Yeah. I feel bad. I wish I knew. Let us know, everybody. Oh, I'm sure I, I would be Julia screaming. Julia Dreyfus, let us know which episode it is. Yeah. <laughs> Newt. <laughs> I said Newt, baby. <laughs> let us know which app. Oh, also, hey, everyone, we're doing the 70 by hashtag 70 by 70. <laughs> yup. Because we got another one. We got a 60 by 60 review, I noticed, uh, a couple oh, weeks ago. Cool. And boy, what a what a thrill. It's the best. What a thrill. 70 by 70. You got 70 minutes. <laughs> or less. We'll see what happens. That's a good point. But go to iTunes right now. Leave a review. Anything mm-hmm. you that we said that you want to write down that you think makes us look like idiots or whatever, great. Go for it. Or uh, just anything you We don't care what you write. Yeah, John, I was going to say, those are the rules for 60 by 60. 70 by 70? Write anything that you think we will say. Oh, very good, Russ. Mm-hmm. And if you're right, I'll. S- oh, I I think we're kind of predictable. I don't want to commit a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send you a dollar if you want. <laughs> if you're not right. only. Oh, but we can't even test it. I was gonna say, not only are we predictable, but they can just listen and then well, write it. <laughs> our listeners, honest Russ, system. are honest very system, honest, everybody. People. They're very honest. <laughs> I think and I think the honor system applies here. Clearly. Yes. If you leave a review and you want a dollar, email us and we'll send <laughs> you a dollar. If you guessed what we're about to say for the rest of this episode, starting now, and that does not include the part where we plug the show and tell you where to email us and everything, okay? There you go. We know you know the name of our editor. That doesn't yeah. count either. <laughs> oh, this is exciting. You know what this needed? A little money on the line. There we go. <laughs> That's what makes a good podcast. Sweet in the pot, baby. Yeah, now it's a horse race, baby. One thing that I liked about this first scene, I did like on Lisa's resume, Jamie put down that she was that Lisa was personal assistant for JD Salinger. Yes. And then Jamie said, let him try to check. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a fun nod to it later when Lisa ends up interviewing at Macy's. Or yeah. sorry, it's called Cleric's Department Store Cleric's, the show. Yeah. And uh, boss sees a resume and says, J.D. Salinger. And Lisa just goes, don't ask me where he lives. (laughs) Also, we got another nod to Lisa's friend, Harriet. Lisa says, yeah, Lisa says, can I go now? I promised Harriet I'd look at her new macaw. Yes. All of her friends have cuckoo animals. Yeah. And that Harriet, you can never predict her. She makes Lisa look like Jamie. I might have lived next to Harriet. Have I ever mentioned my yeah. old neighbor in Los Angeles who was an Maybe. exotic bird sitter? Oh, my gosh. No, I don't think so. Her door would always be open in the apartment complex. It was, you know, one of those old-fashioned L.A. open mm-hmm. courtyard, all the doors go directly outside kind of apartment mm-hmm. building. And uh, her door would always sure. be open, and there'd always be at least one exotic bird sitting outside on a fake tree, and then inside, more birds. <laughs> That's and too every, many birds. It is, because every now and then... Feathers Uh-oh. would build up on my doormats. <laughs> oh, John. Not because they were shot. No, I... John, I know! Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, just feathers are gross, right? Uh, yeah, that's what I... Why, why is anybody shooting a bird in this scenario for you? Because <laughs> that's what die, happens in cartoons. Why is there a Because when you shoot a bird, that? it goes... <laughs> that's why. <laughs> You're right. I can't believe I didn't think of that. And because your reaction was so guttural. Yeah. Worst case scenario was natural death. You have bird murder in yours. 
No, I think neither. I think they're just shedding and all these feathers would get blown over to my corner yes, of the building. Of course that's what it was. And every now and then you'd be sitting in your in my apartment and you just hear <laughs> like oh through the wall. And then you'd hear right? So yeah. Quiet. Yeah. Yeah, she had this mangy cat that was always chasing them. (laughs) So, what else happens in this thing? Let's see. Other things. Oh, going back, guess what? I saw this on a trivia page for Matt about you. Don't know if it's accurate, but I I choose to believe it. Okay. Cleric's department store in the episode. Named after Matt about you writer, Jeffrey Cleric. Oh, that makes sense. Sure. It's a fun nod. I like that. I like. Yeah. Yeah. I like a peek behind the curtain like that for sure. So that night when they're on the apartment, they have all these plans for the next day. And yeah. Jamie put their passports in a safe deposit box, which is the yep. dumbest move in the world. Yep. And not like Jamie, really. But whatever. You got to get mm-hmm. the episode moving somehow. So the plan is next day. Beginnings James... are hard. Sure. <laughs> Jamie's going to wake up, go get the passports. Use Fran's car to drive Paul to the airport for his flight to the Yukon and then come back in time for her client meeting with Fran and some guy that's happening in their apartment, which is, to be honest, not that professional, I feel. Not a thing to do. No. So what happens is I got a little confused, but basically that that night scene ends and then the next it's the next day and we're waiting for Lisa to show up with Paul's gloves. Yes, Lisa. Jamie gave Paul's gloves to Lisa. Because it was cold and rainy one That's day. That's right. So then Lisa had no, to drop day. them off. Yes, Lisa had to drop them off. Right. She was going to drop and them she's off late. at the apartment. She's late. She arrives. And then they swap purses. Of, yeah, she arrives with a pair of mittens because she lost Paul's gloves. She, or she gave them to another yes. friend. Yes. And we get a fun beat where Paul puts the mittens on and then flicks her off yeah. through the mittens. Yes. That's he fun. says, use your imagination. Yes. Very silly. So they swap purses. and Because their purses look, are identical. Their purses are identical. They foreshadowed it a little bit in the scene before. They sure their... they did so much that knowing the description, I thought that's when the swap had happened. Right. But no, I wish that it had because the way it actually happens makes me so frustrated. I can't not talk about it. Okay. Jamie is looking Lisa in the face and Jamie's got her bag next to her. Lisa's got her bag next to her on like a half wall sort of situation. And then... When it comes, they get frustrated. Jamie gets frustrated because Lisa ate the Danish of the person who was interviewing her because the person was late. Yeah, Jamie Ruined- set up an interview for Lisa. Yeah. Unrelated to the interview that happens later at Clerics. Right. So she says, I'm so mad at you. Give me the gloves. Fine. Okay. Here, take your bag. Jamie takes the bag that is right next to her, gives it to Lisa, and then says, I'll take my bag and takes the bag that is next to Lisa. <laughs> Like, there's no way anybody would ever do that that way. It's not like a mistaken, oh, uh, we were standing next to each other or like or a deliberate drop or something like that. It's uh, nobody would do that. Nobody would do that. Yeah, you're right. That's why in the first scene, we're just like, oh, two bags on a couch. You've had a day together or whatever. Yes. Sure, any bag could be any bag. Fine. This would be like taking my, if I took my wallet from my pocket and handed it to you and said, here, take your wallet. <laughs> oh, that is bad. <laughs> so 
that's how much I didn't enjoy this episode. Is that these are the kinds of notes that I'm taking? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they didn't even get you that far, if it was a home run, I'd be like, ah, but who cares? I don't even know. Everybody, you get a bag, and you get a bag. Everybody gets a bag. The driving uh, thrust of this episode is now that Lisa has Jamie's bag, she has Paul's passport. And Paul needs that passport to get right. to the Yukon, so they end up chasing Lisa through her day. So we get to essentially yeah. spend the day as Lisa, in a way. We see what she's up to all day. And that's sort of the episode. So uh, the first stop, they trace her onto the subway because uh, she mm-hmm. left a trail of wet peanuts, I guess, that she was right. eating. Pistachio shells. Yes, yes, right. I will say, I really think... So the first way they set up what happened, because we don't know if we haven't read the description what's happening. Right. Lisa gets the subway. She reaches in her purse, and she finds a sandwich bag with subway tokens in it, which is incredibly Mm -hmm. organized, and she uses it. I was like, you know, that is just such a good way to set up what's happening. Right. Like, it's very natural and illustrative and active. Yes. Agreed. Elegant, if you will. Yes. Something that happens throughout this episode is, you know, so Jamie immediately, you know, she that's the funny thing. They swap bags. Paul says, will you give me my passport, please? She reaches into the bag and pulls out a doll's head. Yes. And she squeaks. immediately knows this is not my purse. Lisa has my purse. Yes. Right. So that happens right away. Yes. Right. Lisa doesn't know she has Jamie's purse until about. 20 minutes, minutes into 16. the episode. It's literally minute 16. It's very funny. That she, she says, finally hey, this goes, isn't my purse. This isn't my she's purse. Found a, she's found a file. She's found a pen. She's found an umbrella. She's found food, gum, the tokens that are wrapped neatly. She's been in this bag. And yeah, 16 minutes in, she's gone all over Manhattan and says, this isn't my purse. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. So they find her Lisa's planner. And they realize she's gone to therapy. Her planner is a one piece of paper that it has just things scrawled. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they go to her therapy office at 72nd Street. Yeah. Oh, we also find out Lisa lives at 103rd. Yeah. Little tidbit. There you go. But we get our first clip, in my opinion. It's a very fun joke. A very old fashioned joke told by Paul Reiser. They get to the therapy, the doctor's office. And the door's closed and it says in session. So they're trying mm-hmm. to eavesdrop and to figure out if it's Lisa who's in there in session. This is good. And Jamie hands Paul an empty jar of mayonnaise that is yep. in Lisa's purse. And we yes. get... Well, I can hear people eating egg salad at the beach. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and the patient is played by Andrew Gordon, one of the oh. writers of the episode. Oh, really? That's neat. The guy who's actually in session. Do we have any info on the therapist? Yes. Did she look familiar to you? Vaguely. Her name is Nancy Lenahan. Okay. And she plays Margaret Flood on People of Earth. Okay. Which I didn't watch, but that's a... uh, Nor I. Very popular new show. Yep. Well, that's now canceled, but while it was on TV, very popular. Well, I guess not popular enough. Not popular enough, baby. Certain circles. Sure. I mean, it's no extreme. (laughs) She's in a bunch of movies. She was uh, a few episodes of Veep, but the later seasons, which I didn't watch. Okay. You know, she's a a character actress. Getting it done. Here's a little fun piece of trivia from her uh, bio. Please. She provided the speaking and singing voice for Helen Henney, a character at Chuck E. Cheese Pizza Time Theater from 1983 to 1991. 
Oh, so you're telling me we have to have this woman on the show is what you're saying. Oh, if we can. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Great. That's amazing. Love it. Um, so, yeah, Paul and Jamie, they interrupt this therapy session again and again. We learned that clearly Lisa has been talking about Jamie in session. Jamie does not care for that. This is where I wrote mind blown. Oh, yeah? And I, I don't it, know if this was on purpose or not. Is it when so, Paul changes his flight information from a phone? <laughs> in in less than a minute? Yeah, where he says, Hi, yes, this is Paul Buckman. I'm supposed to be flying to the Yukon at 3 o'clock. Yeah, I can't make it. Uh, can I make it on the 415 instead? Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'll see, please. <laughs> I love that there's direct, also, multi, there's so many direct flights from LaGuardia to the, quote, Yukon. Yes. That there's one 45... <laughs> 45 minutes later. Yeah. And then later in the same episode, they're like, no, well, that's the last flight to the Yukon today. How many times do you think they're going to fly to the Yukon? It's like, they've got a shuttle, it yeah, seems. Yeah, by my math, they've done 20 of them today. So what's... The... <laughs> so they keep going in and out of the appointment, interrupting this guy's session over and over. Paul's got to call the airline. Paul's got to do this. Yada. And the whole time, Jamie, like, who looks like a mess now because of the rain, is, like, really getting irritated about what Lisa could have possibly said to this shrink to make her right. realize that Jamie was Jamie just from her behavior. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh. This is obvious because we know the premise, of course. But I said, oh, my gosh, they're acting like Lisa. Yes. But what blew my mind is it took me, like, half of that seed for that thought to hit me. Because oh, yeah? I was so on their side. I couldn't see their behavior as egregious. Until halfway through the scene. That's wild. I'm rooting huh. for them always, you know? Yeah. And then eventually yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, you're acting like monsters. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, it blew my mind. They were bad news. I didn't want to see it that way. We see what we want to see. That's exactly right. By Michael John Lacusa. <laughs> I really like this a whole lot. It's this little aside that I love. It went on for a few sentences. They're riding on the subway now, and Jamie recommends to Paul maybe he can borrow Ira's passport. Paul worries about getting thrown into Canadian jail. <laughs> hey, hey, maybe you can borrow Ira's passport. What is a bad idea? Why? Because dopey, I'll end up in jail. So what? It's Canada. They're nice. Not jail. You ever heard stories about Canadian jails? No. Oh, they're the worst jails of all the jails. What stories? I heard stories. Fine, give me one story. What, remember Midnight Express? All right, that was Turkey, and they were smuggling drugs. Not originally. They changed it for the movie. <laughs> this is completely a non sequitur. Uh-huh. It's just a joke thing. Uh-huh. But them talking about the actual country where this happened and how it was for drugs. And then Paul saying, no, but they changed it for the movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> I really like that little nugget. Absolutely. There's a few moments in this episode. Yeah. Oh, this is one other quick thing about the therapy session, going back for a second. When Paul's listening in on the uh, session, he's picking up little tidbits, and he turns back to Jamie and says, is your sister obsessed with Glenn Ford? Right. And I then meant to look him up. Yeah, and then when we bust in, the therapist is like, what were you saying about Pocket Full of Miracles to the patient? Uh-huh. So this is a movie that we'll put on our little watch list of Paul Reiser movies. Oh, interesting. Pocket Full of Miracles is a 1961 comedy. Oh, it's a Frank Capra film with sure. Glenn Ford and Betty Davis. And is essentially wow. uh, Pygmalion again. 
In this case, a New York gangster and his girlfriend attempt to turn street beggar Apple Annie into a society lady when the peddler learns her daughter is marrying royalty. Wow. That's neat. Yeah. It's going on the list. There we go. Let's do it. We might have to have our old uh, movie expert back on, talk about all these other movies we've been coming across. Sure. Guess who else is in it? Who that? Totally explains the reference now a little. Mr. Peter Falk. Okay. His favorite actor. There we go. Playing a character named Joy Boy. That's fun. That's fun. I like that. (laughs) So what else happens in this episode? As Lisa goes to return the gloves, she's gone to buy Paul new gloves at Clarix. Yes, at Clarix. The employee who works there, she has a little bit of a back and forth exchange with her. And Lisa winds up saying, you think that's bad? I had a job interview this morning. The employee says, any luck? Lisa says, good Danish, which is funny. Yeah. Oh, this salesperson played by an actress named Clea Lewis. Yes. Who starred on Broadway. This is a weird roundabout Mad About You connection. Mm-hmm. Briefly on Broadway in an Alan Akeborn play called Absurd Person Singular. Okay. Guess who else was in it? Who that? Mr. Paxton Whitehead. Oh, gosh. Remind me Paxton Whitehead. Mr. Across the Hall. How? How? How British person. How British per- ha- Conway. How Conway. Conway. The original. That's right. How Isn't that neat. wild? That's very neat. She was also on Jen knew right away. Was she on was she on Ellen's first show? Yes, she was. Yeah. I recognized her, but I couldn't place her. And Jen was just like, she was on Ellen. No kidding. So there we go. Yep. She's always coming in with those deep cuts. She knows. Unbelievable. She knows. She knows. She's good, man. Oh, there was one other joke before they get to clerics. Or maybe it happens after that scene that I really enjoyed. Also, it felt very iconic for some reason to me, like on a visceral level. Paul is schlepping all of his gear and it's in the, I don't know if it's raining yet, but mm-hmm. they hear an airplane fly over on the street. Right. And he looks up and screams at it. Okay, there goes my flight. Hey, can I get some peanuts and a Sprite? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just something very iconic about him holding like luggage, screaming at an airplane. Sure. Maybe like that. Superman-y or I don't know what. Superman is a very Jewish superhero. <laughs> it's a Manischewitz uh, mascot. Oh my gosh, my number four molar fell out. <laughs> what? If you suddenly need dental work, you're talking uh, to somebody. Oh. <laughs> my number four molar fell out, and he's just like, oh, that's terrible. Excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Superman shows up and he does your in dental a dentist work. dentist outfit? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't uh, thinking anti-Semitically enough to leap directly to dentist well, <laughs> based on nothing are. except the fact he's Jewish. <laughs> I went banker. <laughs> <laughs> Still good. Oh, man. So Lisa, at this point, by the end of the episode, she looks great. She has put herself completely together based on the contents of the purse. She's found an egg with pantyhose in it because her pantyhose is all ripped up. At one point, we cut back to Jamie and her pantyhose is all ripped up. But Lisa, yeah, has straightened herself up, dusted herself off, and she's starting all over again. We do a smash cut back to her at one point and her hair is... Like, yeah, like perfectly. Up. Yeah, it's, it's very it's funny. Very funny. She goes in for the interview. She aces it. She also says she sees the interviewer is saying, well, it looks like we're all done. We don't need anybody right now without any experience. And she says, is that your dog? She, to a picture on his desk. And he says, yes. And she looks into her bag and she pulls out and she says, this is Murray. 
and the guy melts. Yes. So it's very fun because she's not doing a Jamie impression. Right. But it really you can feel the sister. Yes. You can feel the jeans being the same. The way Absolutely. she pitches this guy is exactly how Jamie Buckman would. Yeah, I agree. And she wouldn't take no for an answer. This guy <laughs> is played by John O'Leary. This guy, Mr. Howard. Okay. He was in Airplane. Did he? I think I know who he was. Did he spit a whole bunch of eggs out of his mouth? I have no idea. He was reporter number two. He might not have then. The person <laughs> I'm talking about might have been a nun. I'm genuinely not certain. A lot of people are in airplane. <laughs> yeah, they sure are. He was attorney number one in All the President's Men. Did attorney number one <laughs> spit a whole bunch of eggs out of his mouth? Depends on the production. I've never seen All the President's Men. I assume that that happened in the Nixon White House. There was just one guy. <laughs> oh, I got All the President's Men mixed up with the candidate just now. Oh, yeah, all the president's been with Robbie Redford and uh, Dusty Hoffman. Dusty Hoff. Oh, it's not Henry V. Okay, it's a marginal connection. So everyone knows Russ was opening the show with a little nod to Henry V's famous once more into the breach speech. Mm -hmm. The man, John O'Leary, who played Mr. Howard, starred briefly on Broadway in 1960 in wow. Henry IV Part Two. Oh, so close. So, so close. Kind of close. Just a weird coincidence that you would, uh, of all weeks, to pick that Shakespeare. Weird. That is very weird. And of all the Shakespeare, to pick a Henry play. To pick a Henry. Though I would say those are the best. Well, that's the best one. Which? Henry the Five? Uh, I think Henry, Henry the Fifth is one of his best plays. I agree. And I think they should teach it in schools. I think they do. It's a No, not the way they teach like Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet and Julius Caesar. That's probably true. I did it. I, I read That's Henry good. Fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more exciting and funny and fun than a lot of the plays. I didn't like it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <But> <laughs> well, school is school, so. Well, there you go. <laughs> One thing that, uh, what was I going to say? I don't know. Forget it. Edit that part around. No. Oh, no. That's right. I found it. <laughs> so. One thing that happens in this episode that harkens back to everybody's favorite hero. Superman-y. <laughs> the other one, Mr. Woody Allen. Oh, yes. They do a little bit, what must be an homage to his most popular movie. Oh, you know what? We should say goodbye now. What? Because there won't be time at the airport. That's so Seriously, here. Let's just get it over with. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Stay warm. I'll miss you. I'll miss you, too. Well. I gotta go. <laughs> Do tell. So they do their whole Jamie and Paul are on the subway and they're on their way to the airport. Yes. They think they're going to have to rush. So Jamie uh, says, oh, let's say goodbye now. Come on. Kiss me now. Get it over with. She yes, says. you're right. Which I'll the Singer first date and Annie, Annie Hall. Hall. Yep. have their first date and they want to kiss. And he says, come on, we'll get it over with now. We'll do our first kiss. Now we'll be able to digest better and uh, watch the movie in peace. Yep. And they kiss. And it's a so magical. Weird that we both know that. It's a scene magical, magical movie made by a complete monster. And I do not uh, like hearkening to it. So you know, readily. he wasn't a monster at the time. I don't know if that helps. <laughs> John, I literally don't know either. I, I don't think so. Can though. you give the movies before he was a monster a pass? <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> this debate's so old and tired. And you know what, John? Knowing you and knowing me and knowing this show, we're going to have it at least five more times in the next three years. We'll talk about that. That's true. 
Well, I'm with her. <laughs> I also am with her. Dylan. How's that for a catchy slogan? I also am with her. <laughs> uh, sort of has a ring to it. It kind of does. It's not as bad as I thought it was going it to be. It has that, Ju- that, that Jewish sentence. syntax that I love. I also, I also am, am with, with her. her. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at the airport. Paul and Jamie are... Uh, Paul, it kind of falls apart here. Yeah, it's like I was ready for it to be over. Yeah. And I sort of turned to the laptop to start to text you to be like, okay, I'm ready. And then it kept going. Yeah. And I thought, oh, why is there another scene? <laughs> yeah. They're trying to figure out what to do because Paul has missed the last flight of the night, I think. The last right? direct flight from LaGuardia to quote the Yukon. <laughs> the Yukon. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Paul... Goes looking through Lisa's bag. Lisa is on her way. Oh gosh, we skipped the interview. No, we didn't. We talked about it. We talked. No, we didn't. We didn't. Would talk you have about a stroke? It. I'm sorry. We just talked no, no, in no. detail. I'm sorry. I used the wrong word. Not the interview. The meeting. Would you have a stroke? We you said interview. <laughs> John, yes. this is a this is a very sarcastic way of pointing out to people that I just had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we skipped the most skippable scene in the episode. And we almost got away with it, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> if not for us, dragging well, us back into the quicksands. I don't know if it's skippable or not, but I do know that when I got done, Jen was repeating the lines like, Jen knew friends. I have no idea who that person was. And Lisa, pick up. Lisa, pick up. Lisa, pick up. Let's listen to it. It was an excellent presentation. I like your style. If your partner's anything like you, it'll be just icing on the cake. Terrific. Mr. Boniello, I'm so glad to meet you. I can't tell you how excited we are at this opportunity. I know we're a small company, but that just means that we're working that much harder to fill your public relations needs. I'm taking your car. Two minutes. I know, I know. Don't you hate it when you sign with a certain person at a company and then you spend half the time talking to that person's assistant? Well, you won't have that problem with us. Because when you sign with Buckman and Devenham, you get Buckman and Devenham. Nobody else. I promise you, with our experience and enthusiasm, we can turn that franchise of yours into a national chain. Lisa, pick up. Lisa, pick up. Lisa, pick up. Yeah, that thing you were going to skip, it's a minute, baby. Uh, I'm not putting the whole minute in there. (laughs) She talks very fast. She does. She talks very fast. She comes in. She's got a raisin on her teeth. It's funny. Which Lisa had earlier when she came from her job interview. She had a big black thing on her tooth. I think a raisin. Yes. So uh, they have a nice symmetry there with the raisins. Absolutely. So, yeah, back to the airport, back to the very- I'm glad I don't have to listen to it. (laughs) <laughs> Again, it was fine. I almost put it in myself, to be honest. But but it oh, got okay. to the end of the th- the monologue, and I was like, you know what? I don't need oh, it. Yeah. Well, like, what is this? Sure. Like, who cares? Is how I felt. Oh, fair. Fine. But it, you know, it's the story. It helps the story. You know, it makes the story. Yeah. It's just this episode again is just like nothing. It's just one of those where it's like, yes, I like spending time with these people. Right. It doesn't have to be a boon every week. I agree. It's a nice relaxing episode. <laughs> Take your shoes off. Yeah, paint Relax your nails during this one. <laughs> we go back to the airport, still or again, depending on which timeline you're on. <laughs> Paul's looking through Lisa's bag, finds what he thinks is an electric razor. Yes. Decides to start shaving. Now, this is funny. So This is funny. This I got a clip for. Great. So Lisa shows up when Paul is off screen, supposedly shaving. Mm-hmm. Hi, got your message. What's he doing with my stun gun? 
Your stun gun? Ow! Help me get him up! Paul walking after he's been shocked is very funny. Very fun. It's one of the funniest parts in the episode, I think. For sure. I agree. He's almost falling. Like, he's almost losing all muscle control every few steps. Yes. (laughs) It's very funny. I agree, first of all. That is all very true. Secondly. Paul then... Well, the second thing is, now Paul gets on the plane. Wasn't Paul just about to not get on the plane? I didn't know what you were talking about with that. Why can Paul now get on the plane? Why couldn't he before? Lisa had the passport. Okay, so they're just now able to get the passport. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. So Paul got all the way through without his passport. This is pre-9-11. You don't need the passport until you land in Canada. I guess you're right. Holy smokes. Well, there's, there you go. There's no T like TSA agent checking your ID. That's very true. Wow. So yeah, Paul, this one really makes you think, huh? <laughs> God forbid we go one week without bringing up 9-11 in this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, um, and we don't even put an episode out every week. <laughs> but yeah, we put out a mini zone <laughs> yeah. just to be like, hi, rise, guys. Hi, rise, gals, just to remind you about a tragedy. Anyway, we'll see you next week with we'll, the next episode. We'll be getting to that at some point. Because no, sh- when did the show end? Oh, maybe the show didn't last that long. No, either 99 or 2000. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So we don't have to look forward to uh, a, spe- a Mad About You doing a special play. No. <laughs> <laughs> the way the West Wing did. A play, if you will. <laughs> I know we've talked about that episode. I think we have. Before. I love reading that. Oh, my buddy Grant, who has like a photographic memory. I will every now and then I'll get him to just recite the <laughs> model, the opening monologue to that episode of the West Wing because it's so funny. It's a lot in time. It's I get it at the time, of course, but sure. when you watch it years later, it's so corny. Yes, you know, I I do the way they introduce I, I, it is so corny. I watched the West Wing for the first time maybe five years ago, four or five years ago, and wow, and I loved it, and I loved that episode, and for whatever reason, it all worked for me. But then, like as soon as it was over, and I thought back on it for a second, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this is like I read one article, and I was like, oh, this is very silly.' You can't say the phrase. It's a play, if you will, if you will, without yeah. sounding, you know, yeah." If you were in school and you'd turn that in, you'd get it back with, if you will, crossed out in red. <laughs> the West Wing Weekly episode that recaps that episode is very yeah. interesting, though. I'm sure. They struggle with that. it as well. And also, they have a few people on, I think, or something who talk about how uh, helpful it was. Oh, that's Being nice people who looked like the terrorists at the time. Sure. Having this to like make them feel less okay. scared. Well, now I feel like a real jerk, John. Yeah, so, you know, walk a mile in someone else's shoes sometime. How about that, Russ? <laughs> Paul stuns himself. Paul gets on the plane. Paul kisses Lisa goodbye. <laughs> yes, that is a fun end. Paul leaves his luggage. The next guy getting on the plane says, hey, this isn't my luggage. Fran and Jamie turn, and we get a freeze frame as which, if to visually say, can you believe this? Which kind of fits. It fits for this episode. It really does. I think they knew it almost. I think so, too. The uh, passenger, by the way, was played by Michael Leppard. Okay. He was in Liar Liar. Great. He was in Rising Sun. Okay. He was in Police Academy 6. Ooh, the the good one. <laughs> he was in Touched by an Angel. Cool. He was in the Jeff Foxworthy show. All right. He was in... 
Saved by the Bell, the new class. Ooh, that's very interesting. He's played a lot of guards, cops, and gym teachers in his career. I believe it. Yeah, that's his general. So this really, he got to, it was a little departure. <laughs> man getting a, <laughs> he also plays men who do not have bags. Yeah, or men who have the wrong bags. The wrong bags. <laughs> the tagline or the tag to this episode is fun. Yes, a l- nice little slow riffy. Yeah. Jamie and uh, uh, Lisa yeah, are Jamie sitting. Jamie and Lisa going where? through the bag. Yeah. Oh, the luggage claim. Yeah. They're sitting on a luggage claim like belt, conveyor belt. Right. Jamie's pulling things out of Lisa's purse and Lisa's explaining what they're for or why she has them. Yes. It's like an old improv game. <laughs> That's very true. And I like she pulls out the mayo jar and Lisa says, for luck. And Jamie says, I thought the horseshoe was for luck. It's like, no. Well, what's the horseshoe for? In case I get a horse. Yes. Very fun. Beautiful. And then she pulls a rabbit out of the bag, which is also, <laughs> that, that made me smile. <laughs> oh, those silly Buckmans. <laughs> well, rise, guys and rise, gals. This is another one. Contest, in the books. contest just ended, FYI. Yep. We hope you nailed it. <laughs> I'm, I'm so scared. <laughs> there, Sleep easy, John. It's going to be just There's fine. a $10 limit on the contest, okay? <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> Bleed him for all he's no, worth. You know everybody. what? I would pay up to up to 100 reviews. <laughs> Honestly, I'd pay a buck a review up to 100. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. Yeah, cash is on the line now. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> what a thrill. Oh, but yes, please do rate and review us over at Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us there. Tell a friend about the podcast, why don't you? Yes, it's a new program called Pass It On. Right. Hey, listen to Mad About Mad About You. It's a podcast about Mad About You. Pass it on. I know that I've spoken to a good amount of people who have said, oh my God, that sounds amazing. I'm going to listen to your podcast. Oh, great. And I hope they do. If you're one of those people and you're listening to this now, well, thank you for listening. Absolutely. Welcome aboard. And uh, I have not. And so I got nothing to say. (laughs) So work a little harder. Uh, Yeah, no, I know. I bring it up when I can. Yeah, (laughs) I bring it up when I can. It's hard to work into conversations organically. I get a lot of, I get a different response than you usually. <laughs> I get more like, oh. Oh. <laughs> that's, uh, that's interesting. Cool. Yeah. So it's never followed by, hey, where can I find it? Or what? Like, <laughs> yeah. I only tell my salad guy. <laughs> so you can rate us and review us over at Apple Podcasts or anywhere. Where else can they find us? Wherever you listen, we're on Stitcher, we're on TuneIn. We're on uh, Google Google's one, right? Google Podcasts is that one? I think that that might be a thing. We're we're on it. We're on whatever the Google one is. We're uh, on Spotify. We're maybe? on Spotify, baby. I don't yep. think you can review us there though. Listen. Hey, yeah, listen on Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Listen wherever you want. We're everywhere. If you are wondering if for where you want to listen, go to our website madaboutyoupod.com and we got them all there. We got everything there. Go. You can listen to the episodes there if you want. You should buy the DVDs. We got a link to the Amazon site. The, you know the website, Amazon.com? We got a link to it. There you go. The whole series, the whole Mad About You series is like 25 bucks on Amazon. Just buy it. It's the DVDs. Buy a DVD player for 25 bucks. The whole thing will cost you 50 bucks. It's 100% worth it. It's depressingly and absurdly cheap yep. to buy Mad About You. And it's yep, so, yep, yep. yeah, Russ, it's so worth it. It's so fun to revisit these shows. We're having a blast. Yeah. Our show has a theme song, and it goes like this. It's by Mr. John D. Ivy. Thank you so much, John. We also have a logo by Mr. Nathan Diffie. You can find him on Twitter at Nathan D-I-F-F-E-E. Thank you, Nathan. 
And our sound was mixed by Mr. Vuk Ivanovich. Thank you, Vuk. Vuk, thank you so much. John, we did it again. Come hell or high water, we did it. <laughs> but soft, what light through yonder window breaks. It is the east. And Juliet and is the sun. <laughs> son of who? <laughs> For your... <laughs> All right, okay. everybody. My name is Russ Fader. Um, John Marbley. <laughs> this has been Mad About Mad About You. And, and what we're saying is this. This is what we're saying. Ha <laughs> ha!